Raccoons, probably the smartest wild animals on earth. They are able to adapt to different situations and conditions within days, and to transfer this knowledge to the following generations. Recently, the numbers of raccoons in Toronto have risen to nearly a hundred of these guys per square kilometer. This phenomenon gave the city the nickname of the raccoon capital of the world. During a press conference in 2015, Toronto Mayor John Tory officially declared war to raccoons. We've discovered that the members of Raccoon Nation are smart, they're hungry, and they're determined. But our job, together with our private sector reinforcements, uh, is to show them that we are smarter. Uh, defeat here, uh, and I think the people of Toronto would agree with this, defeat is not an option. In the city of Toronto, you can find raccoons everywhere, in walls, coffee shops, commuting in the subway stations, fighting cats in backyards and in liquor stores. The animals have become a big part of the city and everyone has a story about raccoons, whether it is of love or hate. Yeah, I love raccoons. I think they're adorable. They're little rascals. I, for one, welcome our new rodent overlords. I don't like raccoons because I feel like they are dangerous. Finding a baby raccoon that had gotten trapped in the garbage can. I love raccoons. Raccoons are like little pandas that you could like squish, they're like little fluffy chubby cats. So we decided to investigate more about the cultural and scientific phenomenon of raccoons. To begin with, I traveled to York University where a PhD, Suzanne McDonald, has dedicated more than 10 years studying raccoons and has appeared in diverse documentaries and interviews about these animals. So I've been studying raccoons for about 10 years now. I'm interested in how they've adapted to the urban setting. I've been um, looking at how uh, urban raccoons live in the city and also comparing them to their rural counterparts, the ones that don't live in the city. And the beautiful thing about raccoons is that they adapt to everything. So they are what we call generalists, so they can eat anything also omnivores, so just like humans, we can eat everything, so can raccoons. We found a raccoon in our back laundry room area eating the garbage from my birthday party, which had been the day before, and uh, it was eating the sangria fruit that was left behind. Hang out in the area with, uh, with an open can of cat food, and um, I realized very quickly that uh, if you do this um, after dark, uh, you're less likely to get cats and more likely to get the raccoons, because what I got was a family of raccoons, of three baby raccoons. So most species evolve in an environment, and they can only live in that environment, right? So that, you know, cheetahs live on the savanna, and they run, and they catch their prey. But raccoons are more like us in that they can adapt to different kinds of food, and that means they can adapt to different kinds of environments. So they grew up, they, they evolved around rivers, but they, turns out, can live pretty much anywhere as long as there's water and food. So the city turns out to be pretty ideal for them, and they kind of like it. Well, and when did you start to monitor raccoons with cameras around the city? Um, I've been monitoring raccoons for about seven years, um, and recently been doing it to see how they adapt to the new raccoon-resistant organic green bins. The concerns about the possible raccoon invasion started not long ago when the anti-raccoon organic green beans were introduced in the city as a measure for preventing the bandits of stealing compost. As you know, uh, the green bin program has very successfully collected organic waste and uh, we have it turned into compost. Almost 50% of the green bins become a feast, a veritable feast for the raccoons. 
uh, and once a free meal is found, they return again and again, and there's probably not, nothing that represents more of a nuisance uh, in a big city like this than uh, the feasting of the raccoons on the contents of the green bins. The city has spent around $32 million in the new bins, and although these ones were useful for a couple of weeks, they were not challenging enough for the smartest animal on Earth. Soon after, the media started to post videos where raccoons were opening the green bins with their paws, just like humans will. Um, and I've been watching to see how they adapt to those. And I was worried, some of us were worried about um, if they could no longer get into our green bins, would they starve to death, you know? Would they lose that source of food? And I can tell you that no, they're not starving to death because I've been measuring dead raccoons for three years and they are absolutely no, no thinner than they used to be, so they're getting their food somewhere else. They, their population is self-limiting, so, you know, there's only as many raccoons as the food resources will support. And when there, are, there isn't enough food, then they will, there will not be as many raccoons. Uh, raccoons are kind of, I would think, at maximum capacity right now in the city of Toronto. Usually what happens when that occurs is that there's a disease like canine distemper that goes through the population and cuts the numbers down. So that happens in a cycle and it's usually every few years in the city we lose thousands of raccoons because of disease. What kind of diseases are you talking about? So canine distemper is the main disease that raccoons get. They get it from uh, pets that have not been vaccinated against it, so they actually pick it up from us, not the other way around. Uh, humans can't get this disease, and uh, there is no cure. So when you see a raccoon in your backyard that's acting strangely, wandering around in the middle of in, in the middle of the day, kind of stumbling, and you might think, "Oh, I have a raccoon that has rabies." It, it's not rabies; it's canine distemper, and it's a terrible, terrible way to die. They die in a lot of pain, and so you should always call animal services, and they will come and euthanize the animal. There is no cure for that. And because raccoons are in such high densities in the city, when one gets it, it's spread immediately to hundreds of other animals. Raccoons have been adapted to human life for centuries. Since the first Spanish colonizers, these animals have been struggling with the human tyranny. However, and after witnessing extinction in Central America and the Caribbean, raccoons found their headquarters in the northern part of the continent, where they transcended from regular members of the animal kingdom to a foray army. Slowly, they have conquered the cities and have invaded entire neighborhoods. But their most successful achievement is having become symbols of the pod culture, especially here in Toronto. Uh, my name is Curtis Smith, uh, general manager at Bandit Brewery. And originally, Bandit was actually going to be called Raccoon City Brewery. Uh, based on the city of Toronto always being referred to as the raccoon capital of the world. Uh, world. And through much discussion and uh, further decision, they decided to go with Bandit, just based on how, obviously, the stripe across raccoons' eyes give off that very Bandit-like look. And overall, the name flowed better. The image that we ended up going with matched the name, and it just it, it rolled off the tongue a little bit better. So ultimately, we went with Bandit. Do you ever have, like... Any experiences here in the brewery with raccoons? Like any raccoon trying to get in and steal your food? Um, so in the summertime, uh, especially, we have our garage doors opened up. Um, thankfully, while they're open, the raccoons don't really try to come in. But there have been plenty of times where once the doors are shut, you'll see them on the patio. You'll see them pawing at the glass. And it's always nice. People are always taking pictures of that while that's happening because it just fits the vibe and the space very well. Do they drink for free? <laughs> I, I would allow that. 100%. Like any free food or anything for that? Free food, free drinks for all raccoons. So how do you guys keep the raccoons outside of the business or preventing them from getting in and 
you know, steal your food or... Uh, as much as uh, we've referred to them as bandits, they've actually been very pleasant and very kind and have stayed outside on their own accord. So we haven't really had to do too much to keep them out. They've, they've done it themselves. They usually stay away. Any particular stories you can recall right now? Mm, off the top of my head, no. Literally, the only thing that I can think of is over the summer, there were just many occasions where the raccoons are just hanging out on the patio. And that's mostly like after, after close, like when there are no people are around. Because I wanted to know more anecdotes about raccoons, I posted on the Facebook page Weird Toronto to get more stories. All right, let's go to the web page Weird Toronto. I'm pretty sure that there I can find a really useful information or I can ask for some advice. I can ask people for some stories about raccoons well surprisingly the the photo of weird Toronto is a crazy raccoon all right let's see what happens here well many stories about the ttc but i don't see anything about raccoons perfect put something here about raccoons are looking for stories about raccoons said hi there i'm looking for people who want to share their personal experiences with raccoons surprisingly the post got 209 comments in which people share videos and photos so after that i reviewed them and i contacted the owners of the post kieran then and gabriel zarate accepted the interviews and shared their stories with us the place where i live my back stairwell that goes into my backyard is open to the outside so I often have some raccoon encounters in there. Uh, the most dramatic one was one day I was finishing up my work for the night, last fall, and I opened the back door to the stairwell to let some fresh air in, and I looked outside and I saw a raccoon that was halfway through eating a pigeon. It was horrifying. <laughs> and so I immediately closed the door and went back inside, and I have a big dog who I was about to let out into the backyard for her last uh, bathroom break before bed and I was already in my pajamas so now there's a half-eaten pigeon being mangled by a raccoon in the stairwell and, which is blocking my way outside so I had to get dressed again and take my dog for a walk around the block to avoid it <laughs> and unfortunately I was hoping that all the mess would be gone the next morning but it wasn't and um, what did you do after? Well, my lovely roommate, who has a much stronger stomach than I, cleaned it up for me, and I bought him a bottle of wine and a cupcake as a thank you for dealing with the mess. <laughs> I grew up in a neighborhood with quite a lot of raccoons. Uh, it was on the edge of a protected area, um, and it also had a, a large student population, so there was always a, a lot of garbage. Uh, just, you know, in, in people's backyard or in, in people's uh, behind behind people's houses. 
So between the one and the other, <clears throat> that was a recipe for having a lot of raccoons around. I went into the garage or I heard something from the garage and it was a raccoon blundering around, uh, disoriented because it had a jar of peanut butter lodged on its head and it couldn't get the jar off. It was really stuck. And um, so what I did was I took a broom and I, uh, I uh, sort of pushed the raccoon out of the, uh, out of the garage. Uh, and then, and then I went and I took the peanut butter jar off. Like I went and I, I basically wrestled with it and, uh, and pulled the jar off its head. And as soon as the jar was off its head and the raccoon realized that it was outside, it ran away. So I was thinking ahead because if I'd have done this in the garage and then like I pulled the jar off and then it's me and the raccoon in this confined space, then the raccoon might've panicked and it might not have gone well for me. How can we control the rising population? How is like a good behavior, a good interaction, human raccoon? So because we don't want to kill the raccoons or anything, we have, we want to, you know, like be in peace with them. So yes. what is a good measure? Yeah, I think coexistence should be our goal, right? That we want to live with wildlife. What the presence of wildlife means that we have a healthy city. That's a good thing. We want to have a healthy city. Um, you know, the main thing: don't feed them. Um, when you feed them, the females get fat and they have even more babies. So the fatter the female, the more babies she's going to have. You want to keep them relatively lean, so you don't want to feed raccoons. I know that's hard but because they're darn cute, but just try not to feed them. And don't blame them when they get into places. If you leave your window open, they're going to get in. They don't know. They're not supposed to get in. There's no rule book for raccoons. They just go, oh, it's open. I'm going to come in. Don't leave your garage door open. Don't leave your garbage can with the lid open if you don't want them in your garbage can. I feel like the uh, the appropriate population control, the way to deal with this uh, with this situation is, is to be smarter about about our food, about our garbage. Just try to think like a raccoon. Everything around your place where you live is appealing to them. They are just like you. If they could, they would sit on the couch and watch Netflix and eat junk that's what they want to do and so if you give them the opportunity to do anything they're going to take it so just try and go around your where you live and think like a raccoon and think what would i do if i were a raccoon and then block that off so that they don't if you don't want them in your house close your windows and lock your doors and don't let them in your garage and they can get in the smallest little openings it's stunning like two inches they can get in so You've got to really outsmart them. There, the situation is, is our responsibility, it's our fault, ours as a species, ours as a culture. And, uh, and you know, I don't think that, that they should have to pay the price for our choices as a, as a people. And so I think we should use our big human brains and try to outsmart these little guys. They are just trying to make a living in the city and we need to respect that, let them do it and don't interfere with them. Thank you.